We are in Hebrews, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 12, includes one of the most frightening verses, I think, in all of the Bible for many people. But it's given in the context of this preacher of this small church wanting the members of that church to live in full assurance and not in a false assurance. In full hope, not in a faulty hope. So listen now as I read from God's word, beginning at chapter 6, verse 1 through verse 12. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm, and holding him up to contempt. For the land that has drunk the rain that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful for those for whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless, and near to being cursed, and its end is to be burned. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. This is not the only time we're going to take on this topic as we move through the book of Hebrews. But as you have heard already, a powerful illustration, that's what a kingdom moment is. It's not something that's completely separate from a sermon. It's a sermon lived out. It's the power of the Holy Spirit illuminating a man and a woman's heart that actually reveals application. What should I then do? The message is never from a kingdom moment like that. I need to be just like them. Except then, I need to abide in Christ. And I need to listen to the Lord. I need to know what the Lord wants for me. This passage, if you were paying attention, gives us a very frightening verse. It sounds like in verse four that it's possible, four, five, and six, that it's possible for someone to lose their salvation. Now, it's important when we come across any text of Scripture that we know how to understand it, that we interpret it in context. If we don't interpret a passage in context, we can take any passage out, extract it, and then make it say all sorts of things that it was never meant to say. The purpose of this text, written by an author we don't know who is a preacher, is not to say true believers can lose their salvation. That is not what he's saying. 
It is not a disconnect from the doctrine that you hear from this pulpit. That is that once people are truly saved, they cannot lose their salvation. But this is also true. People can have the appearance of being saved and not be truly saved. It was true then and it's true today. People, especially in a city like Dallas, a place in the middle of the Bible Belt, people can say the right things, be in the right locations, even have the appearance of godliness and yet never truly be saved. Which leads people then to ask, whoa, whoa, is that me? Is it possible that that could be me? Well, let's, let's talk about what's being said in this text. And I wanna do, throw, do so through a real conversation that I have frequently with someone that I'm very close to. The person that I'm very close to professed faith when she was around 16 or 17. Soon after professing faith in Jesus, beginning to grow in her understanding of the word of God, being discipled, worshiping, she also entered into a relationship with a young boy. That young boy was the son of a minister, and through acts of intimacy, she became with child. Facing that moment and the utter terror of what would happen if it became known, the boy and this girl made a very evil decision for that child to be aborted. That young woman never recovered, not emotionally, not spiritually, and in some ways maybe not even physically. The boy that insisted that that's the path they had to take then soon ended the relationship. Two different directions, two different stories. The person that I know the best has told me over the years many, many times, there's no way God could forgive me for what I have done. She's probably listening today because she listens to me frequently. And my dear friend, that's not true. Abortion is not the unforgivable sin. The only unforgivable sin is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's recorded in Matthew chapter 12. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit essentially is denying the person and work of Christ Jesus for salvation. It is not trusting him alone for salvation. It is ignoring and speaking against those things which he said were true for salvation. And it is denying the work of God himself. That is the only unforgivable sin. But here, this author of Hebrews, wanting so much for the people in this small church to live in full assurance of the hope that they have in Christ, offers them a very strong warning. He has been saying to them that you have regressed, you have become sluggish, you have become dull of hearing, you are infants when you should be mature. 
And then at the beginning of chapter 6, he says, therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrines of Christ and go on to maturity. He is saying to those who are listening now, it's time to grow up. It's time to move forward. It's time to advance and mature in the things of faith. And then he says something very, very powerful. And it is a strong warning meant to, to wake up and warn any who might have the appearance of being a Christian, but still aren't. And that's who he's talking to. That's what he's saying. He's saying that you can actually give off the appearance. You can even say certain things or pray certain things or even know the word, yet you were never regenerate, meaning saved, born again. And the warning comes because he is beginning to see the lack of fruitfulness. And lack of fruitfulness that's lasting on and on and on and on might be a clear sign that you were never really saved. It's not a sign or a statement that's saying, be careful, anyone can lose their salvation at any time. That's not what the Bible says here or in so many other places. That's why we sing, he will hold me fast. But what's being said is that people have the ability to live in false assurance. They live a presumptuous life where they say, well, my parents went to church or I went to church when I was little or I walked the aisle at one point. But since that time, their life has not been marked by fruit, the kind of fruit that only God can bear. Fruitfulness is a major sign proving that Christ's true believers are disciples. Now, I want to be very careful. I did not say perfection. I'm not perfect and neither are you. That's why we need a high priest. But fruitfulness is evidence that a man, a woman, a child belongs to God. Jesus said it, John 15. It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, so proving to be my disciples. Do you want to know whether or not you're truly in Christ. You can examine the fruit in your life. If upon examining the fruit in your life, you remember a day when you've professed faith, and then you say to yourself, there's no fruit, and it doesn't matter because I once prayed a prayer, I would not have such assurance. If you examine your life, and you see that there's not much fruit, and you remember a day when you professed faith in Christ, and you're scared that the fruitfulness isn't there, that fear is actually fruit. That is the work of the Spirit saying, stop being dull of hearing. Stop being sluggish. Stop living in that sin. Repent. You don't have to pray the sinner's prayer again because it's not that you've lost your salvation. Some may never have truly been saved 
And upon hearing this today, if you say, I want to know for sure that I'm in Christ. I feel inside my heart that desire to know. I want my life to reflect that. Pray for salvation today then. Mark today. January 19th is the day in which the Lord revealed his saving grace to you. And move on to maturity. My dear friend, and I talk about this often. She says, there's no way God could forgive me for what I've done. And I say, that's not true. That act is not what ultimately defines you. Coming to faith in Jesus and trusting in him alone for salvation is what saves you. My dear friend, will not be separated from God forever because of an act she took when she was a teenager. She would only be separated from God if there was evidence that continued throughout her life that that moment when she professed faith in Christ wasn't real. It only had the appearance. It was seed that fell on rocky soil but never rose up. The pastor of Hebrews gives us that same analogy. The rain fell on two fields. One bore fruit, giving a sign of blessing, and one was cursed. There was no fruit. Friends, this warning given 2,000 years ago was so important for them to hear. And the heart behind the message was that it would wake them up and they would move on to maturity. That's why the preacher in verse nine says, though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. That's what he's saying. He's saying we hope and trust that you truly have been born again. We hope and trust for the better things that belong to salvation. Do you know what he's speaking of? Fruitfulness. He's speaking of the external evidence of a life that's been truly changed. Don't hear me today saying it's about perfection that we can somehow generate. We never can. That's why we needed the great high priest who is perfect, who closed that gap. And when we trust in him alone, we are saved by faith alone forever. But when that faith alone in Christ is real, it is a faith that is never alone. The fruit always follows. And that fruit is evidence of a life in Christ. And one of those fruits is when you hear a sermon like this, from a passage like this, and you're stirred. You're stirred to give God thanks for his grace. You're stirred to wonder, where am I in this? And as you wonder where you are, if fear enters in, and you want assurance, that is fruit. That is fruit. Come to Jesus.
your rock. Come to Jesus, the one who alone can save you. Near the end of this section, the preacher says this, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end. There's not a Sunday that I enter into this pulpit, to this sanctuary, where my desire is not that you would leave unassured. Brother and sister in Christ, those who are truly in Christ, sing, pray, listen, and live in the full assurance of who you are in Christ. If today you are not sure and you want to be sure, you can leave this morning confident and assured of your salvation if you've trusted in Christ alone, by faith alone, but not by faith that is alone. The fruit will follow. If today you have never heard anything like this and you are interested but aren't yet sure, keep coming. Come and see me. See someone that's sitting next to you that looks nice and like they know what they're talking about. <laughs> and if they don't, come and see me. <laughs> I want you all to leave with full assurance and not false assurance. If you have any sense that your assurance is false, pray to your Savior. Tell him the way you're thinking and feeling and ask him to rescue you, even now, as I close in prayer. Lord, for your grace, we praise you. For the work of saving us, causing us to be born again, forgiving us of our sins, we praise you. And today, if there are any in our midst who are present right here, or who might be listening on their computer, oh Father, hear their prayers and save them. I pray for my friend today that she would know that that one act is not unforgivable. Lord, anyone here this morning carrying burdens similar to that, may they cast them on you and experience your love and mercy. Lord, hear the prayers of your children crying out to you now for salvation or giving you praise for their salvation. Thank you, Jesus. You are our great high priest in whose name we pray, amen. Thank you.